episode 80 of the Daft Souls podcast. We're saying the episode number at the start of the episode because for once we actually remember what it is <laughs> straight away because it's an easy number. I'm joined by Quentin Smith. Hello, ever, everybody. And today, Kate Gray. Hello. It's fantastic to have you back, Kate. We've had you on once before. It was a while ago, though. Yeah, with Joe. He's not here. He's gone. Yeah, he's not here. He doesn't need to be here. It's fine. We've got rid of him. Please come back, Joe. We miss you. We love you. I just wish you'd reply to my letters. <laughs> Anyway. Or he'll be back. He'll be back at some point. It's fine. I believe it. I would love to talk about video games, but I do have to jump on a quick order of business first. Sure. Uh, So uh, my friend Ian Milton Polly, who people might know from the Contender podcast, if they listened to my Street Fighter saga, um, is a bit of an expert in Japan. He's a Japanese translator. He has two things to say. First of which is the Dragon Quest law, which I mentioned last uh, episode, whereby Dragon Quest legally has to come out on a weekend to prevent denting the Japanese economy. That's a myth. The other more interesting thing he has to say, I was talking about Breeding Season last episode, which is uh, a hentai game. It's the most popular project on all of Patreon. And uh, this is a podcast based in the UK. So it's interesting that he then says, by the way, hentai is way illegal in the UK. It's been caught in the crossfire of an anti-pedophilia law that was designed to get around having indecent images by using filters to make them look like drawings. So... It's now illegal to possess hentai as the characters depicted could fall under that description. And yes, at least one man has been prosecuted and sent to prison for it. So, uh, we'll be removing the last episode of Dark Souls. Um, and I, It's fine, just anyone in the UK, just don't listen to it, alright? <laughs> the thing is, I bet if we asked the lawyer, this would be a super legal grey area, because we were basically espousing something illegal. I wasn't, you were. Yes. So, I... That solidarity <laughs> there fills me with confidence. <laughs> uh, let's talk about listen, video games. You talk to your lawyer about this situation, and you I'll talk to You have control mine. of the servers as well. I couldn't remove the last episode. Yeah, no, you to. couldn't. Uh, which makes me probably liable... But um, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to pretend this doesn't exist. I'm going to pretend this conversation doesn't <laughs> exist and everything is going to be fine okay. Anyway, um, video games, they are a fun way to spend some time. Before you go to jail. Before you go to jail. <laughs> I mean, that's all any of us are doing in life, really, isn't it? Just trying to fill the hours of our lives before we go to jail. The inevitable criminal <laughs> act. Kate, what have you been playing recently? Um... So mostly I've been doing this this new thing called books. Uh, oh, but we can talk books. In the meantime, I've been playing mobile games because books are kind of heavy and they take up all the space when you're on the tube. You have to get elbows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. people don't mm-hmm. like the elbows. No. Whereas video games, you can tuck yourself right in. Um, so I've been playing... <laughs> tuck and roll. Wow. Uh, I've been playing a game called Inks. Inks, Which okay. is quite nice. It looks very nice. Based on pinball. Um, oh, I saw this on the yeah. App Store. How's yeah. it spelled? I-N-K-S? Yes, like, okay. like pen inks. Okay, uh, I can spell. other types of ink. Squid ink. Squid ink, printer ink. Uh, <laughs> many inks. Uh, and yeah, you, you sort of fire the ball around with your little pinball flippers and you have to get all these areas and the areas sort of burst into ink sort of sprays and it's a very pretty game, but... I'm not very good at pinball, so... No one is, except for <laughs> complete weirdos. And that guy oh, in the no, song no. by The Who. Yes. And great. He was the, if you've seen that video... He sure plays a mean, weirdo. Oh. mean pinball, that guy. No, I got into pinball once. Wait, I want to focus on inks for one moment. So it's like Splatoon <laughs> for, uh, for, for pinball, right? No. That you're painting a sort of... No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Wait, all right, whatever. The screenshots have misled me. <laughs> Fine, <laughs> let's throw over to... Matt's pinball story. Whatever, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just, I love that. Immediately you just go, 
<laughs> Fuck it. I've lost Fuck all everything. faith in my broadcasting ability. So wait, what does ink have to do with the game? Because I've seen screenshots and there's great big splatters all over uh, their level. So interestingly, uh, I, I hosted a BAFTA tour recently and one of the guys on that uh, little thing, <laughs> whatever it's called. Panel. Panel, that's the one. Yeah. Um, he was one of the guys that made inks. And okay. he, he talked about how they did it. Um I've already forgotten, but it's a podcast. You can download it and listen to it. How would people find that if they want to learn more about it? BAFTA, BAFTA, BAFTA Guru okay. Uh, okay. is the thing it's called. Um, and I go and search for that on the internet. Good. You'll probably find it. Uh, and he sort of said, you know, they, they got sort of, I think, generic assets of like ink splatting. Hmm. And they somehow did some technical wizardry to make it. It sort of reacts to how hard you throw the ball at it. And which direction? Okay, and it's beautiful. So it's... the ink—is it just a pinball game where the ink is like a cosmetic sort of a beautiful bit of set dressing? Basically, the ink just tells you that you've hit. Like, there's these coloured sections you have to go across with the ball. Not necessarily hit, but sometimes just kind of glide across, like balls do in pinball. Okay, um, and that makes the ink come out, and the ink sort of blots together, and it just looks nice. Uh, it's just an interesting visual way Man, to say you've done it. I'm sold. I'll be downloading this. Yeah. A good, a good little pinball game. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I think the downside is that um, it costs like one pound forty nine, I think, but then you have to buy extra levels. I think so you said buy colours. So you have to. Yeah, it's just black if you and white. Want red, to start with. then that's not pounds. <laughs> um, so basically, you play the first sort of twenty, thirty levels, and if you like that, you buy more. Um, but I guess that, that might be a barrier. So it's to... sort of like a quasi-single player, like a yeah. quasi-pinball thing. Like Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite simple. Like you, you don't need to think about it too much. Some of the later levels are quite difficult if you're not good at pinball, like me. Um, but it, it's sort of, it's based on like gentle curves. So you have to hit it right to hit the curve in the right way. So it's, it's quite yeah. satisfying in that way. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I love that you just, I was shaking my head at you there, Chris, because you've gone from being like, ah, pinball for losers, to being oh, like, ah, it's a fun pinball. No, 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 I never said pinball wasn't fun. I, just at Loading Bar the other week, put a pound or whatever into the pinball. <laughs> yeah, hardcore. And it didn't actually let me play, so that was oh. an authentic pinball oh. experience. But, yeah. no, I like playing it. My point is that people who are super good at it yeah. are weirdos, because I feel like the only way you get good at it is by having a pinball machine in your house, Yeah. Mm, at maybe. which point you're a certain kind of person. Well, I I think it's also a generational thing as well. Like, obviously, pinball machines used to just be in pubs in your in your in your day. Yeah, in my day, yeah, <laughs> back up north. No, uh, no, it was a thing before fruit machines. Fruit machines came in and they were like, cheaper. oh really? Yeah, yeah. Pinball machines used to be very popular in pubs before arcade machines. I think basically, mm. and then arcade machines came in and fruit machines, and now we've, we've ended up with the worst. We've got fruit machines and quiz machines, both of which are just shit things designed to <laughs> uh, drain your money in exchange for bright coloured noises and and uh, all that stuff. But no, pinball is cool. Um, I got into pinball from playing um, pinball video games. Oh, yeah. Because then you don't have to, like, keep putting fucking coins in. Is right. that the one on Microsoft 98 or something? Oh, the, the space, space pinball. pinball. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I remember I like there was it was a PC game. Yeah. It was a, and they had a bunch of tables. And even though there's Pinball FX2 uh, on Microsoft, uh, on the Xbox 360... I think it was called something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But that was amazing because that for years was like this secret. We ended up writing an article about it for OXM when I was It there, being I this, one of the secret best things on Xbox Live. Oh. Best sellers. Oh, really? Yeah. It ended up being this thing of like consistently one of the best selling things was just these packs of like pinball tables. Oh. And they were just always making tons of money. And it was this weird thing of no one was really talking about it. And no one was, but 
people who are into pinball <laughs> were just spending a fortune. Those are the stuff. best when you discover that the thing that makes a given platform money is like this insane, weird one game <laughs> that... It's like, I can't remember that... They... It was like when Keza came over yeah. and told us that um, uh, Second... Not Second Life. Home. Um, PlayStation, PlayStation Home, Home yeah. had a community of people who played the hell out of it and bought oh. gold yachts and there were people stuff. making a fortune oh. on selling weird cosmetic stuff in PlayStation <laughs> Home so PlayStation Home was this weird dead thing yeah. and yet there were people on it making so much money um, I oh. can't remember the episode number of that but it was a fascinating story I'll, uh, I'll try and <laughs> dig it up and put it in the description for the podcast um, this month but yeah pinball what I love about it right is it's like you think that you could being good at pinball is just hitting the ball and hitting it into the place you want it to go mm-hmm. and that's a part of it certainly but <laughs> but the rest is philosophy. No, no, no. There's what in game design actually it's pretty clever, right? Because what you find is that often the way it happens is you hit the ball up, it'll bounce back round, it will go down the thing and it will shuffle it back to the, the th- flipper again. And if it keeps doing that again and again, sometimes you kind of get into a rhythm and you kind of know the timing to make it hit in one place. And so what ends up happening is you'll like you'll keep hitting the ball and it'll keep going exactly the same position mm. each time and you keep going hitting the same spot. Mm. And if it's a spot with nothing on it, then that's just annoying. But sometimes Sometimes if you want to hit like a ramp, you hit the ramp perfectly, it comes back down. You hit the ramp perfectly, it comes back down. You hit the ramp perfectly, it comes back down. But then what it'll do is it'll put up a little barrier being like, <laughs> oh, you've hit the ramp three times. Now it means you've unlocked this and you need to go up this oh, ramp so it forces here. you to change your timing. So it means, yeah, you need to then, it means you can't just keep hitting the same thing again and again. It'll be like, now go over here. So the skill is like hit this place three times then hit this place three times and then something happens and the exciting <laughs> thing about pinball is you realise that it's not just getting points there's like all these little mini narratives to unlock and it's like secrets you're like hit this three times then this happens this four times and you're like where am I going and you don't know what's <laughs> going to happen at the end of it and sometimes it's like if it's a space one it'd be like meteor barrage and suddenly you get like 50 balls for like a minute and you're like what the fuck <laughs> but it means every table has like unlockable secrets that help you get the best score but it's also the fact that it's not all about precision and what I love about it is the fact that often you have to unlock these bonuses you have simple things like having to just roll the ball over this thing which lights up a letter and it means you don't specifically have to aim for that letter because every time you hit the paddle it cycles the positioning of the light and it means what happens is you have to go over this like letter and that'll like light up one and then you'll quickly hit the paddle and it means it will shift the lights along by one which means when the ball falls over the same switch again it will light up a second one it's like you have to light up a word do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's awesome because it means like even if you don't know what you're doing you're like oh fuck the ball's gone up to that top bit and you have to like just carefully use the paddles to like cycle through these numbers to like make the gaps fit Pimble has shitloads going on it's actually like it's really good I wasn't expecting this to get sent me off but it's great yeah uh, you ever seen Inside a Pimble Machine? No. That sounds like a line from Airplane. Maybe. I think I saw a picture recently with all this confusing circuitry going yeah. on, which well, I didn't expect. Me too, yeah. you can. They actually open up pretty easily because there's so many bits in them that can break that oh. um, they open. They, they're like flip top, like you'd open yeah. a car's bonnet. And then, yeah, like you say, if people can Google the insides of pinball machines and have their minds blown because it's all weird hard point electronics. Mm. Like it's... I actually um, heard a, a, a podcast about which had a guy who designed pinball machines on, and it turns out pinball machines are subject to like the same caprices that like a lot of video games have, whereby the pinball industry crashed during a hardware push in the same way that like a lot of video games suffer from like a certain console will bomb and then drag any number of developers down with it. People who made pinball tables tried to introduce. Oh, I think there was a because you know pinballs use those pinball tables use the um the neon kind of orange screen. Mm-hmm. The, the, the little like, very basic LEDs almost. Right. So the reason there's so many of those machines is that that was the heyday of pinballs, and then but when they got the technology to do more advanced screens, that was when it crashed. So those uh, pinball machines with full colour little TVs do exist, 
I think Star Wars Episode One was one of the first ones. Wow. But it was like, it just, the pinball industry didn't recognize it, and no one wanted to play pinball anymore, and then any number of pinball uh, industries went belly up. Hmm. Offworld also has, this is only short, uh, a very interesting article about, um, if you search for offworld.com and pinball, Laura Hudson wrote a big article about how uh, the mafia used to control uh, all the pinball machines in New York City, and... Oh. It, there are hundreds of pinball tables in the Hudson River outside New York because the police um, just took them and threw them in the river. To wow. Them. When you say control, I mean like they, they, they just, went and took out the pounds, well, the quarters from inside and went and does the math. I think well it's tiny mobsters in every machine. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it was more in city. I, I mean, I don't know enough about crime or New York. <laughs> Or what I'm talking about, apparently, to back this up. But uh, it was a source of uh, the Mafia's income, I guess. Right. Because it tied in with gambling. It was a source mm, yeah. of gambling. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's kind of that weird grey zone. But it's it's a great shame, actually, I think, that pinball machines kind of like... Uh, because they were so, such big, loud, noisy things. Mm. And because they were just in pubs and... And clubs and, and there is entertainment and then got replaced by what was deemed to be the new thing. Um, it is a bit of a shame and it is one of those things where I think a lot of our generation have never really... You look at them and think it's just how you just hit the things and get the scores. But it's worth checking out. It's worth going... I still think, like, yeah, Pinball FX something. I can't remember the name, but it's worth having a go at, like, a digital version. And it almost makes you sad because the thing that always made me sad about it is I got quite into these pinball games. But there's always a button for Tilt. There's a button you press Ooh, and tilt, but basically. that's a bad thing. Well, no, but obviously it was a tactical thing as well in the fact that you mm. could tilt these machines a bit, yeah. Yeah, but, but if, if you, you did it too much, too the machine much. would go, ah, and it would just basically, like, the ball would go down and it would be like, like, it can tell you're cheating. Yeah. But the fact they have a slight mechanic of being like, it's just, in the, you can just <laughs> nudge it out and then knock it back out again, like... I thought that was quite cool, but it always made me sad as well of being like, oh, they've had to simulate something, a simple physical thing of, is it worth me risking the game to just (laughs) hit the machines? (laughs) It's kind of cool, but yeah. What else have we been doing? Well, we've both been playing, I don't know if you've been playing it as well, we've been playing a little bit of the Overwatch I have been watching people play that at work. You could say, uh, have you seen too much of them playing it? Could you say that you've been (laughs) overwatching... No, I haven't watched that much. Okay, yeah, it's it's all right. (laughs) Here we go. Let's have the most nonplussed conversation that Dark Souls has ever seen. It's kind of funny. We've actually, uh, unusually, because we don't tend to really talk about stuff that's coming out on Dark Souls, we try and talk about things that are already out. Sometimes things that will be out for a while, just so people can go and actually just check out stuff that we talk about afterwards. Mm -hmm. But this is a game that we've talked about twice on the podcast. I think we had uh, both Chris Bratt and Jim Trinker talking about it when they were both in different stages of the closed beta, and both of them had fairly positive things to say about it. Having played the final beta before it comes out, it just seems to be be extremely all right. Um, (laughs) Yes. Which is really strange. It's like they seem to have done a perfectly serviceable job of creating a kind of team-based shooter that's not really that much of a shooter and is a bit Mowbray, but not really. And it just feels very middle of the road. And I had an entertaining time on the beat. I played for about three hours, but I finished that being like... That was fun. I'm probably never going to play this again. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, exactly the same. I do want to focus on stuff that I enjoyed. Uh, sure. Stuff that I think it did it that's interesting. And it's uh, I find it pretty cool uh, when you're playing a character who doesn't have to do shooting. The fact that it's an FPS 
which gives plenty of room for players who don't want to shoot. Like the fact that the medic is obviously ridiculously powerful and doesn't even need to like keep her cursor on people. Like she just aims the Healy Ray vaguely close to them, yeah. holds the button, and then it will... Uh, it just keeps it, yeah. But not permanent. You still need to follow them, and then she has a cool get-out-of-jail-free card. But the thing that blew the game open for me, and I forget her name, but one of the characters is an ice scientist? Yeah. And uh, May. Her, May. And uh, she can do two things, one of which is just wall herself up in ice for a few seconds, so if enemies are chasing you, you go, no! So it encourages you to use yourself as bait and draw enemy team members off. But the main awesome thing is she makes walls. <laughs> you just put up walls. You actually just say you're having a team fight and then there's uh, an enemy soldier who's at the very front of the pack. You just wall him off from his friends and then all of your team shoots him as it like a, like in a firing squad when he's against yeah. the wall. Then the wall comes back down and then his four friends look at their dead friends and then do they stick around for the fight because now it's four of them versus five of you. Yeah. You can have so much fun with walls. You can point it at the ground and create a wall which point your character gets catapulted up into the sky. <laughs> like it's it's just a toy. And yeah, she has a gun as well, but I think Overwatch is at its best when it's deploying that kind of blizzard outside-the-box thinking creativity of like, hey, you know what? Some people don't enjoy FPS games, and they're probably a pretty big market, so let's mm. give them the chance to enjoy themselves. That's true. Um, mind you, I just found, like, it's a lot of the stuff it did really well. Um, it was... I, I did enjoy the characters, even though just kind of dumb uh, cartoon archetypes. Um, I, I did like the characters. I did also feel like it was just... It just felt like a lot of the ideas... Some of the ideas were really cool and fresh, but a lot of the ideas just felt like different things from different places all merged together with a polish over it. I mean, the funny thing is about Overwatch is that... I mean, Blizzard seems so unable to create an interesting world now that all they've done is take like 25 protagonists from video games that don't yeah. exist yeah like you can be girl on a mech robot which is that sort of like bubblegum mecha from like the 90s yeah you can be a cowboy you can be I mean the, the one is like Grim Reaper yeah the Grim Reaper <laughs> with shotguns it's basically the guy from what's it called Darkstalkers um, yeah and I mean that that was kind of my problem with the game it wasn't really a problem with the game it was just uh, like you think okay well, if you're going to make this wonderful diverse set of characters who all look different and colourful then like why the fuck have you got a guy with a skull and two shotguns because you know what everybody, oh, I can't can, everybody plays him like, I played so <laughs> many games especially because you can have more than one on a team I have played so many where like three people on the team were like the um. shotgun skull man and I'm like well this doesn't work and I also found the interesting thing is that um, there's a tendency with these things when you have this these characters with a, a variety of skills that you can just have it's that kind of innate co-op nature, you know, when you play a game and you, you don't really have to talk to each other, you just know what you have to do to work together, mm -hmm. right? You know, simple stuff. I found in that, like, because the levels are a little bit more open, um, I just found a lot of time people were just wandering off, just treating like Team Deathmatch, and everyone was just <laughs> going around, like, doing stuff on their own. And it, the weird thing is that healers are actually one of the exceptions, so that's always fun, because you can move around so quickly, you just follow a big character and just keep healing them, and then they go and <laughs> kill people. But when you've got anything that requires slightly more nuance, like I like playing a character called... Uh, you can do it. Uh, no, I can't remember her name. I think it starts with a, a Z. Um, <laughs> she's a, a large woman with pink hair and like cool blue armor, and she fires grenades and does bubble shields and everyone. Yeah. But it like requires people to kind of be on it. And when you have things that like actually a bit more like 
more interesting than I'm going to follow you around and look after you like I'm your mum. <laughs> you, you just find that all it takes is for people to just not be cons- not be on it at all, and you just find yourself feeling absolutely pointless. You're just like, yeah, I'm walking around with a giant shield and nobody's standing behind it. But you I just mean, think, what the fuck am I doing? Here? I also you know? don't know if I mean like all online games, like whether you're playing like Rainbow Six Siege or Dota or you know this or Planet Side. You know, you want to be playing them with friends. I don't know if it's yeah, sure. I, you wouldn't re- rarely play Dota by yourself. No, right? I. You used to solo queue on Dota quite a lot. Okay, well... But, I mean, even then, you have problems with that. But some of the problems are are removed by the fact that you have the whole three-lane system of it just being, like, you can go and stand in the forest if you want, but, like, most of the time, you're just going to go to one of these lanes. And everyone, everyone gravitates towards the place where you're kind of supposed to be, and then it just sort of works. Whereas in this, there can be a degree of... I don't know, that's the thing, is the problem was what they've done and this is the problem, is that they've done that classic Blizzard thing of kind of simplifying something, kind of taking all the edges off things and making it so it's very approachable, but then also still requires that level of like um, teamwork that I just think, well, if I'm going to have something where I'm playing with friends and it's teamwork, I want something like a bit... I want something with a bit more to get my teeth into. It's like a little bit too simple for me to feel like I want to get my teeth into this, and yet a little bit too obtuse to be something you can just play online and everybody sort of knows what they're doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'd agree with that. Sort of doesn't quite <laughs> hit the spot, but um, it's a shame because it's bloody lovely. It's got some nice things. <laughs> nice graphics. It's, nice. Yep. Great graphics. Um, but yeah. So all in all, graphics pull it up to a 9 out of 10. Graphics. It's a 9. <laughs> sound. 8. And a bit. Eight and a bit. <laughs> you said you've been uh, still motoring through The Witcher 3. I am, yeah. I mean, now that the DLCs come out, uh, I'm trying to catch up so that I can play the DLC, which by all accounts is incredible. I heard that you can have like a, what is it, a rose garden or something? Well, that sounds nice. I, no, I got it? that wrong. So it, it's not <laughs> some kind of pastoral thing. I love pastoral that. I think things. you can have a vineyard and make wine. <laughs> okay. Why not? Yeah, that's not the whole DLC. No. I mean, that makes sense if it's called Blood and Wine uh, with the the wine part. You can choose which bit you want to do first. Yeah, I'm uh, going to do the blood part. I'm going to grow some blood. Grow some So, hang on, hang on. Uh, So, you're diving back into the game so you can get to the DLC. Yeah, basically. But but does that imply that you haven't finished the game? So the DLC to you is more exciting to you than the game itself. Yeah, well... I have an aversion to finishing games. Okay. Because they always do that thing where they've got this wonderfully paced narrative and everything sort of building up in a nice crescendo. And then they go, and then there's a big boss battle. And I'm like, oh. And so many games I haven't finished because, like, for example, uh, the Minish Cap. Zelda, mm-hmm. uh, the handheld game, is an amazing game. One of the it's, great Capcom ones, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's a wonderful Zelda game that I, I don't think gets enough credit, but the boss battle at the end is a three-stage, very difficult boss battle where if you die in any of the stages, you get sent back to the first one, and that is just utter crap. <laughs> That's a stupid it game definitely doesn't thing. feel very Zelda either. Well, no, yeah. that was exactly how Link to the Past ended as well. I'm pretty sure the last stage of Ganon had three stages. They're still hard. Like, in fact, I think in Ocarina of Time as well. So I think actually it is a Zelda thing. I think it's just the Minish Cap one is particularly... Sorry, I'm a bit of a Zelda buff. <laughs> I think the Minish Cap oh. one was particularly hard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I get that especially Zelda does that boss battle at the end thing. I hate all the boss battles. I hate them so yeah. much. I hate the Ocarina of Time one. Well, often they feel like I puzzles, hate... really, more than... Well, yeah, but puzzles with swords. I prefer puzzles with brains. Okay. Nice. <laughs> fair. No, fair. High five. Yes. There we go. Yes. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I The Witcher has this sort of not uh, well. It does have bosses with stages, but it also has different bosses. So it's like stages within stages, which is just the worst. And, you know, I beat one guy and that was okay. It was basically just avoiding his attacks until he wasn't looking and stabbing him, which isn't fun. That's not fun. Um, And now I'm at this boss where you have one fight on a ship and then he warps somewhere else and he suddenly starts doing different attacks. And I hate that. I hate the way that they sort of don't really explain why this guy who has all these powers only uses the strong ones in his final stage when he's about to die. Do that at the start, so I die. I mean, obviously I wouldn't want that. But, you know, if you were actually having a fight with a guy with loads of powers, he'd be, <laughs> just, he'd be throwing everything he has I mean, you. this was always my problem with Power Rangers. Right? <laughs> that they, that it's only after they get beaten up, they're like, oh, I guess we'll use our giant robot form. Yeah. I'd like to see a game with boss fights where the boss is like hard as nails initially and that after you've beaten him up a bit, they understandably just get like, oh, I bet there's a game that I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's a whole bunch. But it sounds like something Metal Gear Solid's done at least twice. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, I'll tell you what, you know, where I stopped at The Witcher 3 was the first, gri- is it a griffin? Literally the wow. first boss. Because, that's, like, okay. the start, of, that's like the end of the tutorial. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on, I'm trying to have solidarity for bosses here, and oh, I thought I'm there sorry. was some shade there. That's that like occurred. 100 hours less than I was. No, I know, but my, it's not even a boss, mate, it's the tutorial. But It's I, just what, a big bird. It wasn't high enough level, guys. <laughs> so it was this insane betrayal of, like, mm. the game's narrative of being yeah. like, Geralt. You're a witcher, you've killed a thousand monsters. Let's go and kill this one. And you go, okay. And then the game enforces this completely artificial leveling system, which makes no sense in the I narrative. I don't think I even leveled up for that. Well, <laughs> you. You just got to be oh, good at... Good, you will agree good. with me that they're leveling up in the no, Witcher 3 is pointless and dumb. Yeah. Well, actually, no, the thing about the Witcher 3, which is, like, dumb, is the whole RPG system. Yes, no, strip it's, it, It's this it, bizarre it thing fire. that they've mm-hmm. absolutely, like, they nailed so much of the open world game and storytelling game that then when you have this all this traditional video game stuff of, like, leveling up so you can wear new boots, it's like, what the fuck is I mean, this? we like, were getting close <laughs> to a realisation with, like, you know, Oblivion and Skyrim, right? Because what Bethesda do is, like, you're going to level up and get stronger so you can kill bigger things but we will scale the world so you always tend to fight stuff of your level at which point the concept of leveling up is pointless anyway yeah no I, that's why I don't like those games though so <laughs> is, there is a middle ground to be found like I always found that like just you feel weirdly pandered by the world of being mm. like oh this is your cave everything here is is just just right it's like <laughs> fuck off because um, I, I like I like the bits where you walk into a cave and you go Jesus fuck I'm leaving and then yeah. you run the fuck away and you come back later and there was a bit of that in Skyrim there were yeah. some bits where like we'll make this hard but but conversely you have that thing that you know sometimes uh, the Mario RPGs have where when you go back to the the first world and everything's level one and you're just like batting them away like leave me alone yeah I don't want to deal with you I'm I'm way too high level for this nonsense and you know it, it feels like a waste of your time yeah. to battle anything that lower level which I think is another problem that you get with like not leveling things up according to your level but yeah. I think I think this whole thing with The Witcher three though is actually like something that's that um, Bethesda with Skyrim and uh, Fallout and these games have absolutely nailed is actually. Um, you know, you put in the framework for these long story things, but then you also just, um, you accept the fact that players are going to not want to finish them and they're going to want to wander off. And it's really cool in The Witcher 3, it does a thing with all DLC so that when you want to play it, you can just play it. You don't need to be like, oh, you're not level 30 or whatever. Mm. You can literally just go, I want to play it now and it will just make you the right level and put you in the right place. But, okay, weren't you saying that well, I, I want to finish the story because I don't. I well, that's it. You could do that if you want to, but yeah. also you don't need to. <laughs> the Witcher story is a difficult beast, 
because it has this horrible way of padding things out by going, you have to talk to seven people yeah. to make sure they're ready for this thing you're going to do next. And rather than just going, go and do the thing, find out if they're okay with it later, which is what I do in that situation. I'm a witcher. Yeah. I've lived yeah. for ages. Who cares? But I have to go and I have to be like, Yennefer, I'm going to go and kill this man. Are you all right? And she's like, yes, I suppose. And then I have to go, Triss, I'm going to go kill this man. Is that okay? And she goes, yeah, okay. Take me with you. And oh, just, I don't care. I don't yeah. care about their opinions. It is. It that is fun. sounds dry. I mean, I do. I do like the um the the. It's the same thing you get in Mass Effect too, right? That I did find in Witcher Two of like you're going to do this mission, but we're going to build it up in your estimation by forcing you to prepare for it. Yeah. By talking to the people who are going to help you by getting all the items. Then when you do the thing, as epitomized in Mass Effect Two Suicide Mission, you're going. There we go. We're going to do it, guys. <laughs> and then um. People die. Get I think I carried I, off by bees. I think I'm more enjoyed in, in which three it has you build up to things, but then it's more the fact that like um, the the kind of quests don't end when you expect them to. Yeah, they just drag on, and I like that because it's a more realistic uh, like it's a more realistic portrayal of consequence of it not just being like, hey, we're done with this now. Goodbye, village. And then be like, <laughs> in 20 hours, I'll come back and you'll all be dead or something and it'll be my fault. Anyway, I'll, I'll see you later for that callback. Whereas in this, it's just like you do it and it's like, oh, yeah, but now this guy's angry. We should go and talk to him. And then it's like, oh, okay. You go and, talk to him. <laughs> and then you come back and say, oh, I've talked to him. He's fine now. And they go, well, while you've been gone, um, this has happened again. And it's like, oh, are you joking? And it's just like, it's actually, it's kind of wonderful. There's like, everyone talked about it when the game came out, I think because it's like the certain part in the game where you play it for long enough to feel like you actually know what you're on about and you can talk about it but the bloody baron questline is the the favorite of games media for that reason of being like ah i've now played enough of this game to talk about it authoritatively (laughs) it's about 12 hours worth of time but that's lovely and the fact that you keep being like oh this is going to be the final bit this is going to be the final bit and it just keeps dragging on and it really ebbs your spirit in kind of a fun way because you go in with a quite clear idea of what you're going to do and then by the end of it you're like oh i don't fucking know what i'm going to do like (laughs) This is fucked. Everything's fucked. I think there's a really good, um, the, the Tower of Rats one, where you go and you're trying to get this girl, find out what happened to her. And she's been, she took a potion to make it seem like she was sleeping, but actually it just paralyzed her and she got eaten by rats. Um, so she's a ghost. Uh, and then you go, oh, do you want to meet your boyfriend? He misses you. And she goes, woo. Yes. Take her back and, and it turns out she's actually just a vengeful spirit by that point, so oh, she kills him. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, what have I done? How could I have foreseen things? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just messy and I like that. It just it doesn't do the, the thing that um the RPGs do of it being like, this is a callback for a choice you made. It's <laughs> often just being like you've made a choice and then something bad happens immediately. Or it's just something that you're not really you don't really want and you're mm. like, oh <laughs> and it just again it rather than being like make a big decision and something will happen later it just goes make a small decision oh that's happened now oh shit <laughs> oh dear oh dear oh dear yeah. um, and often on the way to doing things it asks you to make seven small decisions which you're always like oh I don't want to make another one I'm going down a path to hell <laughs> but it's funny how they, they've learned and it's amazing how like you know you're saying, with, you're, saying you're not going to play Dark Souls 3 until all next DLCs year when out, all the yeah. DLC's out which is wise because you It'll know be what, like, like a big gothic safari <laughs> which is wise because like chances are from software never fucking learn they're probably going to do the same thing as usual going yes you've got to be halfway through the game to access the DLC and it's like ah <laughs> whereas I think it was a GDC talk by um, Fail Better um, I think which talked about he, he was saying that he thought and I'm not sure I completely agree with this but um, I can't remember the, the name of the guy actually it's the guy in charge of Fail Better I forgot his name um, but he was saying that um, he felt that 
the whole thing in Skyrim about having the main quest line was sort of a a red herring. And um, he said that like people always say, oh, Bethesda games, the main quest line's always rubbish. And he's like, he he thought that they just did that on purpose. They basically make something that's functional, a bit row, a bit like by the numbers and big so that then you can give players this joy of being like naughty. You know, yeah. this feeling of being like, I'm not doing what you say, Dad. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go and do all these side quests. Well, it's, I guess, the same idea that Mass Effect isn't exciting because you can make two choices. It's exciting because the choice you make, you know, if you're a good guy, is all the more exciting because you could have been a bad guy, but you weren't. So similarly for Skyrim, doing a side quest is more exciting because that's your moment. You found this secret criminal band and now you're working yeah. with them. And that's not something a friend necessarily did because he's off with the wizards. Well, it's also just even <laughs> if it's even if everybody... Because that's the, that's the thing, though, right? Is everybody went off and did the thing with the wizards. Like, because it's oh, it a cool thing. Worst thing. It was, but it looked cool when you saw the wizard house. You're like, that's a cool house in the snow. And it's like a castle, it's Harry Potter shit. The coolest thing, oh god. But, that's, but that is the trick of Skyrim, is that actually, it's a big fucking world, but mostly people end up doing gravitating towards the same big things, right? Yeah. So it gives you this sense of, by giving you a road and letting you go off on the paths, it gives you the sense that you are creating your own story. When you're not, you're just doing the same shit as everyone else. Speaking of wizard houses, can I wax about Morrowind for a second? Because <laughs> Morrowind has while. three super bizarre houses you can sign up with, and there's weird wizards who live in, like, awful, like, sort of plant cities if you sign up with them rather than the other houses which are like oh we've built you a house which looks like a, a big stone croissant or whatever um, the wizards say oh yeah you want a house right because they're evil dark elves you want a house okay here's a seed uh, go and plant it over in that shitty ash desert and so you you trope double trape trapes Trapes, yeah. You trapse out into the middle of this ashland. But it is where, a trope. So it's, where there is nothing but awful monsters and steam geysers and stuff. And it then grows into a princess. It, you put it in the ground, and it's like, come back in a week. And you come back in a week, and it's like this six-foot-high green bush. And you're like, this is bollock. But as you keep coming back, it keeps growing. until eventually it's this fairy tale castle, but it's just a plant. And you have to use spells to even navigate the inside of it. Oh. But it's a great moment of, like, you signed up with the weird wizards. You got the creepy plant. House, and you can only ever have like one house in Morrowind outside of mods and expansions and stuff. So it was just a cool moment of like yeah. seeing this thing actually grow. I really, with it's, no control over it. It's kind of a, a sadness to me that I did I did try Morrowind a little bit because my brother had said it was great, and uh, I just. I kept getting killed by fucking cliff runners. I think they were called cliff races. Cliff races. Yeah. I just if I, the game really loves you, the very first thing that happens when you walk into the wilderness is you'll hear that, and the cliff racer will dive down. It'll bite you once, and the thing will pop up at the bottom saying you have the plague. Oh. And that's like your first encounter with anything in uh, in Morrowind. Yeah, it was just brutal. <laughs> it was just like walk off in any direction. And you will be killed, <laughs> which is kind of cool. But I just didn't have the patience for it. Although I do remember having the, the wonderful discovery of it being like you discover some magical boots, and you're like, "Oh yeah, the wizard boots." Yeah, yeah, that was great. Like right near the start of the game, there was a dead body with some magical boots, and you're, right. you're like, "Wicked magical boots!" And you put them on. You don't know what they do. You put them on, and you jump, and you jump about. 10,000 feet into the air and you just start <laughs> flying across like you can just see beneath you like just continents and islands yeah you actually pass full. loading zones yeah. so it'll go loading and you'll still be in the air going loading <laughs> and you like fly for such a long way and then you land and you die and then you discover why the person wearing the boots was oh. just dead in the middle of nowhere yeah wearing the boots <laughs> which is brilliant it's like it's like a joke that just is amazing but also kills you yeah um, <laughs> 
Morrowind's magic in general could just be broken, which was the point of it. You could always infuse anything with any kind of stat. Put boots on roofs and stuff, yeah. (laughs) That is not what I'm talking about. You could, though. You literally could, though. You could levitate things. That was Oblivion, and uh, I don't even know if you could in Morrowind because Isom didn't have properties in the world. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe not. Nice try with your in joke. Uh, Fuck. But yeah, Tom Francis, who went on to make Gunpoint and is now working on Heat Signature, uh, wrote a really good uh, article for PC Gamer about crafting a ring which boosted his stats so much. He just nothing in the game was a problem and he wasn't enjoying the game anymore and it ends with like him going to a bridge and throwing the, ri- the ring off into That's a river because it was no fun <laughs> it's like a little it is beautiful it's like a little uh, allegory <laughs> like yeah. Lord of the Rings yes. and then I threw uh, the ring into a bomb uh, to a volcano because I was just bored <laughs> life's boring now goodbye <laughs> fuck off um, well that's that's a, a tale for the ages I like that I think so yeah, yeah. thanks Tom <laughs> <laughs> There must be other video games that we've played. I've started replaying or continuing to play Ace Attorney. Uh, oh, cool! Now that they've announced the new game that isn't the new game I was expecting, but a different, different new game because they've got one in Japan that's about Sherlock Holmes, who I think is a girl. Okay, let's assume for a moment. <laughs> assume yes. That, let's pretend that I'm an idiot who doesn't know the new sort of reveals okay. to Ace Attorney. So, what would you tell me has happened? Uh, once upon a time, long, I mean, like, what's, a long what's, time what's ago. What's the new game that I definitely? <laughs> uh, I know. think it's called like Ace Attorney: The Spirit of Justice or something equally <laughs> lame. Um, and it's it's Ace Attorney, the game about uh, defending people, but also being a detective at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's like really lawbreakery stuff. Yeah. Like, well, we're not sure about how to proceed with this case, so in between the court trials, we're just going to find evidence, like, into yeah. move bodies, and occasionally do forensics. That's that's the new gimmick, is that? Yeah, um, and each each game has a, its own gimmick. Like, it starts off being fairly normal, like you know. You can see into the past and kind of... <laughs> <laughs> normal, normal stuff. Yeah. Um, and then it starts to be uh, my favourite game, which I think is the fourth in the series. Um, there's a magic bracelet that means you can uh, see people's tells, like in poker, like their finger will twitch and you'll be like, I know you're lying. And for some reason that's admissible in court. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You just go, but he's fidgeting. You're on it. Yeah. And it if kind it's, of, it's always on the key piece of testimony. They kind of got the hang of it in the end because I remember the first one, it was like quite straight forensic mm. stuff. And then it became like weird supernatural, and I didn't like that. I didn't like I that. Love it so but then they kind of started to find a middle ground of it being like, yeah, you're kind of supernaturally yeah. good at forensics. Have you oh. played Dual Destinies? Because the gimmick in that is that she has a necklace that can detect emotions. So you yes. listen to their testimony, and it replays the thing that's going on in their head. And they'll say things like, and then I felt pain, and it'll flash up as happy, and you'll be like, well, Ooh. that's not the right emotion. <laughs> is this also admissible in court? Yes. <laughs> Your Honor. Yeah. Look at this bracelet. The, the girl will go, oh, my necklace says you were happy when you said the sad thing and that's not right and you're a bit weird. <laughs> and the judge at- will go, what? <laughs> Why did he do that? And they'll go, because he did the murder. I love that it's kind of the running <laughs> oh joke that God. the judge is just like an old doddering man who doesn't yeah. really understand anything. He's kind of dumb. <laughs> he's brilliant. Like He's just so stupid. So the, the latest game, based on the trailer, um, it's coming out in the UK, which is good. Uh, it's set uh, several hundred years in the past. It's doing that standard Ace Attorney thing of it being clearly set in Japan, but it goes in uh. a corner of America where they dress weirdly. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. mm, these hamburgers are very rice based. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's how I, I think the gimmick in that is, again, something to do with emotions. Like, they'll be seeing their testimony and it'll flash up with words related to it, like pain. Did they do a previous Ace Attorney game that was set in the past? 
thought they did. Um, no, there was well, to do with hunting witches. Um, yeah, that is Leighton versus. That was Leighton, yeah. That was set in the past, and that something. was a lot of fun. Did they I, time I travel that. into the past for that? No, I can't. It's, it's kind of spoilery. Okay, yeah. <laughs> cool. No, that no, game is because oh, the thing with Leighton is that. In every game, they go, something supernatural has happened. And he goes, no, it's logic. And then it turns out that it was... Like, there's one where someone thinks he's a vampire. And it turns out it's a gas leak. And he's just gone mad. Wow. <laughs> and so they try and tie that into uh, Phoenix Wright, which is kind of weirdly supernatural. Yeah. And so they're... Like, so you find yourself the whole game being like, is this a supernatural yeah. <laughs> or not? Like they're in the it's past and cool. there's witches and they keep like literally setting people on fire. And <sighs> the whole time Leighton's like, no, it's fine. None of this is real. And <sighs> Every like, puzzle has an answer. Ah, <laughs> that person's on fire and it's very bad. And like there's a bit where he turns into a statue and, yeah. and there's a logical explanation. Of course there is, yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Although <laughs> I it was just it. bizarre like when you have to do the Leighton puzzles because it's like, oh, yeah. I can't be bothered with this now. I just... Just want to do the the story trial, um, and just the idea that it's like the more you move, the more you kind of dig into that concept that this is a man who gets around life by basically just solving puzzles for people as favours. <laughs> just being like, excuse me, mate, can I get on this bus? Uh, that's four pounds. Oh, I haven't got any money. But have you got anything that's... <laughs> I love, have you got anything at the moment that's troubling you? Well, actually, the other day I was walking past this baker's and I saw these three cats going in and they each came out with a different kind of bus. It is absolutely my favourite thing because it's not even close. It's not even like Leighton reliably solves mysteries. It's just those like affordable sort of copybook puzzles. Yeah. And he specialises in those specifically, <laughs> which is so arcane. And yeah. like, I just love it. But it's like when you start doing like crossover worlds, because basically like, the world of Phoenix Wright is, it's supposed to be like a stupid cartoon version of the world, but it's still ostensibly like a bit more like the real world. So when, yeah, as a crossover, it's just so weird. It's like, why is everyone else in this world just doing normal shit? But whenever Leighton turns up, they're like, oh, yeah, actually, I've got, I've got a puzzle. I do actually have a puzzle. But it's been, it just makes no sense. It would sense. be great if in one of those games, like, in the, the first puzzle in it is like, do you have anything that's troubling you? Well, yes, my girlfriend might be sleeping with my <laughs> friend. And then you get the puzzle thing, but it's not a puzzle. It's just like you have to figure out if his girlfriend's sleeping with someone. I don't know. Oh, grim. But, uh, yeah, no. I always got really sad with the fact that with the first um, Ace Attorney game, it kind of, like, that had a special, because it was on the Nintendo, Nintendo DS, they mm-hmm. and they had a special because I think it was in the Game Boy before that, and then on the DS had a special case for the DS, which had like amazing like three D objects you could spin around and look oh, at yeah. and zoom into. It had proper forensics, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, because that's what forensics it's is. Just going, it? It's just going, it's just rotating this? things. I mean, that's early, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> rotating a pencil, mine. Yeah, <laughs> but I wanted like I was like, oh my god, the next game's going to be great because it's going to be on the DS and it's going to have all this stuff, and they've just never they've been like, nah, we'll just go back to like. 2D drawings again of things and it was it was like peak good and they've (laughs) never ever gone back to that and I hate them for it you reckon the new one looks good then it could be I I don't really like the new art style Uh, I I know they can't really do sprites anymore because that doesn't really make sense they do 3D characters now they, they kind of look like hand puppets uh, and it I, sounds. I mean, I'm sure it's bad, but it yeah. sounds awesome. Like, imagine a budget like DreamWorks ripoff film, and it looks like that. Okay. Yeah. Sure. It, that's bad. Yeah. It was. I mean, it, they kind of got away with it in the the crossover game with the kind of 3D yeah. dumb characters because in that it was a very kind of muppety story even though mm. people were being burned to death and all that it was still quite wonderfully silly and the fact that like the court system over there was entirely fabricated and you kept having like 
it was just it was a stupid court system that wasn't was like blatantly unfair yeah. and you kept having new members of the jury popping up and just being like oh yeah I'm I'm in the jury and you're like this stupid little character being like oh yeah I'm in the jury now and you're like hang on a minute were you a witness like a minute <laughs> and I'm like, yeah but and it's kind of like it was kind of like the Muppets on trial but yeah. we, like I say with immolation and it did have 2D animated sequences in between which yeah. is more of a latent thing really but yeah and he's got those beady fucking eyes doesn't yeah. make any sense <laughs> why does everyone else have eyes and he just has beads oh nightmares that game gave me nightmares have you guys seen the new uh, hang on let me let me time this right have you guys seen the new starter Pokemon yes <laughs> one's an owl I'm uh, I'm writing something about it because I'm furious at the injustice Whoa. done to water Pokemon. Okay. Okay, because it's a seal this time. <sighs> Most dangerous of the three animals. What's wrong with seals? So, IRL. I think think back to Squirtle, cute little turtle, round yes. little guy, yes. adorable. Yes. Wears sunglasses sometimes. You know, they they used to be all these. Can little... you do his voice as well? No, I can't. <laughs> okay, Squirtle. That's, That's pretty good. good. Yeah. Um, but that you know, they Kate, they used to be chubby and and kind of simple. And you know, there was a Pip-Lop bring as back well. old Pokemon. Piplop was great. Yeah, evolved into Empoleon, I think. Oh, was that the third form? I think so. I never remember the second one. I like no Fro- one ever remembers the second. I like Froakie. Froakie's oh, Froakie the ninja frog. I'm up all night to get from the cartoon. Greninja's <laughs> great. Froakie's terrible. Froakie's got a dumb face. I liked him. Whoa. Jesus. So when you say the injustice done <laughs> Come to, into my to house. Pokemon, what you mean is that you are I'm body not... shaming water types. Well, if you think of Froakie, Froakie's against Fennekin and the forgettable grass starter. Yeah, they wait, were. Wait, 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 because I, I always go grass starters. What's the grass starter? Uh, duh, duh. It's the round one, I think. The, the round yeah. one. The creepy round, like, beaver thing. <laughs> Okay. I don't remember what it's oh, called, yeah. but it's it's like a like little an otter, spherical. Sarah Lotta. Not, uh, not Ivy and Snivy and stuff. No. No, it was no. So you don't like the seal in <laughs> Pokemon like Sun seal. and Moon. He looks like a dumb seal. Okay, but here here's the thing. Here's He's the gonna thing. turn into like a mega walrus. No, listen, yeah, right? Fine. Because that's the character of We all know how that cat's going to evolve. It's gonna become some kind of tiger looking fire yeah. cat. We all know the owl's probably gonna just I don't know. Still be an owl. You can't do a much with an owl. owl. <laughs> but seals and sort of like water-based mammals. If I'm, right. they'll probably be like half iceberg, right. half Let me, battleship. Punishment. <laughs> well, yeah, because those water mammals are like the scariest animals in the world. Yeah, right? they kill people. Seeing like sea lions attack people and stuff is just terrifying. Sorry, you've, you're bringing back some horrible memories. For you. <laughs> Listen. My mum just tipped me over the edge and I didn't know what happened next, but I was in the water. I did see crazy sea lions when I was in Vancouver visiting Paul. Did you? Yeah, they're dicks. They, uh, <laughs> they are dicks, yeah, and that's, that's a fact. And otters Aww. are for real rapists, we've discovered recently. Oh. And will, like, rape... Or, but they'll rape anything. It, that probably won't happen in Pokemon. No, but my point is that <laughs> water seal is going to be the most badass of those three ones. Why does it evolve. look like that to start off with? It's like a gross clown. Because that's the punishment, that's the weight you have to carry do you if not, you want. Do you awesome. not remember Magikarp? I do, I do. We all knew... Well, actually, we didn't know. <laughs> that's what I loved about the first time I played Pokemon was the fact I was like, this Pokemon's useless. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hang on a minute. Maybe the most useless Pokemon, if you level them up enough, will turn into something good. Because I played Pokemon before seeing the cartoon or anything. So yeah. when I finally had that magical bit where it evolved, yeah. not only did it evolve, it evolved into the coolest fucking Pokemon I'd ever seen. I was like, <laughs> that was one of the best days of my life. Yeah. You're still going to write your article, Kate? I am. I, I still feel the same about, I think... I didn't uh, swear you. I think it's a it's a stupid design. Like, it's not the worst Pokemon design because it's not 
the thing they've been doing recently is they start off with a basic shape and they go, what if it had spikes? What if the spikes had spikes? What <laughs> yeah. if it was surrounded by a big circle of spikes? And then you go, okay, chill out. I love yeah. the period where they were like, completely what if, there. What if the Pokemon was a washing machine? <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it a fridge? No, it was... Well, I think it, it, was, was, it was five different forms. Guys. Yeah, yeah so five different appliances. <laughs> like, what if a Pokemon was a keychain? I, yeah. I mean, everyone has that. Everyone has a different Pokemon they saw for the first time and went, oh my God. It. Yeah, they for me... Have we talked about this? For me, it was Camerupt. The, uh, camel. the camel with two volcanoes on its back? Yes, because a hump looks kind of like yeah. a volcano, I guess. But it's just the name. That's kind of Digimon. That's a, it's a like. mix of the artist and the translator just giving up of Camerupt. Yeah, because some of the names in the first one, particularly translations like, you know, Ag- Abra and Abracadabra. That's good. That was that was cool. There was some fun stuff in the translation. I mean, let's be real. The first Pokemon gave us Jigglypuff, the most remember memorable of all uh, Pokemon. <laughs> I mean, back then it was just like a circle with a face. What's the gimmick? It's got some feet. <laughs> They're all basically that. They're all circles with faces and feet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pikachu. The original Pikachu is just is a big circle. With a pointy tail and strange ears. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's all it's got going on. Sometimes in uh, the mornings these days, when Lee and I are hungover, uh, we will watch the new Pokemon cartoon on Netflix to see what's happening. Mm -hmm. And the main interesting point, and the reason we watch it, is that it's fascinating how, like, regressive Ash is. Because he's been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And he's the same nine-year-old. But... In this, like, almost Doctor Who fashion, he surrounds himself with new companions to stave off his, like, loneliness and who he doesn't have to ever grow up with because he can ditch friends when he would otherwise be expected to grow up. Oh. And here's the other thing. He's keeping Pikachu down. Pikachu might well want to evolve. He wouldn't know <laughs> yeah. because Ash is trapping him in his childish fantasy. Yeah, it's pretty dark. Oh, I'd love it if I have an episode with, like, oh, hey, it's oh, it's Misty, and how are you doing, Ash? And Misty, like, has a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and Oh, you're still you're still with that Pikachu? <laughs> Yes, yes, still wearing that yes. cap. Exactly. Wow, okay. It's like, <laughs> yeah, and Ash is like, uh, it would be great if he's like, hey, uh, uh, Misty, you, you need to leave now. And then, like, their world's equivalent of, like, the RSPCA come and take Pikachu away because yeah, it's just because like, Ash is this guy him, should like, not even have this anymore. That's all like, Team Rocket are. He's, he's team, made them yeah. out to be, like, evil kidnappers, <laughs> but they're actually just trying to help him I out. I found it a bit disconcerting when they started having team plot in the Pokemon RSPCA. games about, like, Pokemon being captured and stuff and about yeah. the ethics of that because it's like, no, you can never... You can never... Did, they, did they touch that? Yeah, they oh, did. They've never touched the ethics of what happens to the... They must have, in the canon... People should leave comments. Can they explain to me what happens when a Pokemon is in the ball and if it's happy? Uh, I think it regresses into some kind of liquid, like a kind of plasma. Does it really? I think that's... Pokemulch. Yeah, I think that's oh meant to be canon. So what happens if a Pokemon's in a Pokeball and you were to drill through the Pokeball? Oh, my God. I mean, like, if there was an industrial accident. Oh, Jesus. I'm just saying. Oh, my God. Has no one else thought about this? I've had extensive discussions on which ones you'd eat. And I'm cool with that. Okay. Which ones? But they're all set. Mm, I reckon no, braised, braised licky tongue would probably oh. be uh, quality. Like it's, his, you know, his tongue or the whole thing? Really, the whole thing. You'd have to really slow cook it, obviously. <laughs> right, but I think it'd be all right. Probably be full of flavour. Very fatty. Wait, what Pokemon would you eat? I'm stunned. Um, canonically, uh, slow poke is meant to be delicious. So Really? Really? Yeah. Like, okay, so in, I think, X and Y, there's an actual restaurant where you eat Pokemon. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, oh, this is the marinated uh, slowpoke tail. And oh, because like, that X and Y was set in, like, pseudo-France, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... Where people are murderers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so you go to this fancy restaurant, you battle in between courses, but each course has this beautiful, <laughs> Every time you want to fight, like, they, they kill it and cook it. Basically, I mean, and maybe that's implied. Wow. But, um, yeah, they have this lovely copy where they sort of... It's very well written. It sort of describes a fancy, like, French meal, but it's made out of Pokemon. Oh, my God. Mm. Jesus. Well, it's nice to kind of cap off the podcast with a genuine uh, series <laughs> of nightmares for people. I've got a horrible image of you with a power drill. Just, just No, I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying what happens... In- you say you wouldn't do it, but I don't trust you, man. Mm. Science has to know, Matthew Lees. This is like fucking uh, the horrible Japanese movie. <laughs> no! Not that Pokeball! That's a good one. Give me a um, question. Let's have a question, please. Um, <laughs> Goodmensch uh, asks, do you have any, any intelligence? Wait, Matt, Matt, wait. Where are you getting these questions from? Oh, I'm getting them from uh, our website. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're listening to Darth Souls Podcast on coolghost.net and we have a, a questions thread there. You just go onto uh, the website, coolghost.net, click on the bit at the top that says Darth Souls and there'll be a big button saying ask questions and then there's a question thread and you can ask questions and if you don't ask questions you can just upvote the ones that you like. Sounds great. We, we say it every week. It's a good system but then don't bother having conversations underneath them or if you do, bear in mind that the conversations if the question gets asked will be nuked forever. <laughs> it's a horrible destructive system but it's the best one we've got. Anyway, I recommend if people want to have like impermanent conversations on the internet, like if you're laundering money, have them in our question <laughs> yeah, comment. Go and find the best. We'll destroy them. Go find the best rated comment and just have it under there. We'll be like, who are these guys? Why are they talking about packages all the time? <laughs> this is weird. So you're you're advocating more illegal stuff in this podcast as well. Huh? In for a penny, Matt. Give me a question. <laughs> uh, he says, do you have any intelligence about your audience? Ah, uh, not intelligence. Like, is there an estimation about what percent of your viewership are women, or in which countries you have the most viewers? And do you change your output due to feedback or click numbers? This is a basically a question about analytics, which in the current media landscape is something that lots of people think about a lot. Yes. <laughs> okay, right. Well, I mean, I, I have actually got, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have actually got analytics set up for uh, Cool Ghosts. I don't really look at it very often. No. Um, I mean, basically, it's generally, it's a website about games, which means that, yes, we do have some women who look at the website, but mostly it's men. I mean, that's just the, the reality of it, unfortunately. Even sure. If- I just remember with, uh, well, with Shut Up and Sit Down, the other website we work on, I was very surprised by, like, the much closer to gender parity than... Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Um, well, we're not there. Okay. I was, okay. I was guess. I hope, I was hoping. Well, that would be lovely, but video games have had uh, decades of marketing. <laughs> Fuck them up. Although, um, the website is pink. So... The website is pink. First line of defense against the worst scam of the universe is yeah? what? Yeah, because that's oh, pretty much why. Smart. Yeah, because people who um, who look at a website and go, "Oh, pink," um, yeah, you don't, don't want them. them anyway. So um, it really just it makes a big difference. Uh, but yeah, no, it's mostly Americans and it's mostly men. But I can't remember the exact numbers, and it's mostly people actually a bit older. The only interesting piece of data was it's mostly people who are thirty plus, which is nice. Whoa, yeah, fellow olds. Except I've been thinking about that, and I don't entirely trust that as data because it's probably basing it on what their account says. And most people, when they join the internet, lie about how old they are mm. for loads of reasons. Okay, mm-hmm. so it may actually be twenty. So maybe somebody on the internet who the internet thinks is 40 is actually 30. Tell you what analytica don't look at. What? Um, YouTube lets you see at which point, at which point in any of your videos... People stop watching. People stop watching. Mm-hmm. I know that exists. I have never looked at it and will never look well, at it. Well, I think that's quite an interesting one, especially if you're making short videos. When I started out, I used to look at that a lot because it's a good... It's a, it's a harsh indicator of whether or not you're maintaining anyone's attention. You know, I have no 
And that Doubt. might be that people have clicked on it and they don't like it, but often it's because you fucked up the edit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have no doubt that it would make me a better editor. I have no doubt that it would even make me a better scriptwriter and performer. I think it would do terrible things to my mental health. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I usually found it being like, oh, you look at it and you go, yeah, that bit was wrong. But mind you, we don't get that that much. Uh, one of the things I have noticed, actually, in the terms of the, the data is on our YouTube channel, we have actually quite a phenomenally high... Um, average view on videos I think it's something like six or seven minutes which is really high Um, so it means most people who do start watching they watch like a lot of it those people over 30 long attention spans yeah yeah, it's the opposite of how it's meant to work but hey (laughs) but also it's not a data thing but I find it fascinating that one of the things we see on Cool Ghost which is different to every other job I've worked on is it used to be that you put something online and people just jump on it straight away and you get lots of views straight away and then it stops and it becomes this thing of everyone watches it and then it stops whereas now what we see is we put a video up and actually it doesn't get many views but then a week later it's got loads and it's basically because people who watch our stuff often aren't people who are hugely time rich and they don't just go it's a new video jump on it they think I'll watch that at the weekend which I think is kind of nice so yeah we do have some but we don't really change what we're doing based on data because that's dumb and that's how you end up with like awful stuff and now we've done talking about awful stuff and boring stuff and data. Let's get a fun question <laughs> yeah. to end the podcast with. Please go on. Amir asks... Oh, what? not one for me. We've got a special guest. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, fine. Let's that was a question directed at me that we'll answer next time. I am alone with Matthew. One second. To be alone with you. To be alone with you. We just talked about this. So we might as well carry on. Matt Davis asks... Davies. Davis asks... <laughs> I'm really hungry at the minute, and for some reason I'm picturing the turkey from Streets of Rage. <laughs> it's in a bin, Matt. Come on. <laughs> Have some standards. Does anything from video games bleed into reality like that for you? And what video game food looks good enough to eat? Hmm. Bread in cartoons. This is outside of video games, but bread in cartoons looks delicious. Like in a Disney film or something, if, if someone tears fresh open bread. fresh bread and uh, it's steaming. Like in Aladdin, where he gives it to the Aladdin, orphans. That's what I was thinking of. Mm. But generally, any bread, apples, man, hot any down. animated film. Uh, <laughs> you see, I know we've just been talking about eating Pokemon, but mm. I, I quite... Well, Kate talked about eating Pokemon. I was horrified. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you were doing something illegal, though. <laughs> yes. It's just beef that can say its own name. Think of it that way. That is, but it's beef. I'm with sure we the, could. It's beef that is aware of the concept of friendship and loyalty. But then I guess <laughs> and you think cows aren't. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, I was more interested in the idea of does anything from video games bleed into yeah. reality? Yeah, sure. Because that's happened to me a couple of times. But have you guys ever had anything like that? Yes. Uh, when I went on an Assassin's Creed trip, and we basically had to play the game. You killed a man. I, yeah, I stabbed him right up his neck. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, it was great. Um, so sorry about my cough. <laughs> we had to play the game for I think five days four or five days about eight hours every day so it was just sitting in a room mm. playing Assassin's Creed for review yeah and yeah, that, which is that definitely was... the best way to review a it game it is in, in intense chunks uh, gives you the best idea of what's yeah, going on yeah you definitely on. <laughs> know at the end of that experience whether you like the game and mm. not it does, definitely doesn't encourage you to put a high score on it because you're, you, you don't know 
right? Yeah. Uh, but but basically, we were in Paris as well, and the game was set in Paris, and so we'd we'd put the game down for the day, and we'd go outside, and we'd be like, I want to climb. Uh, and you'd be seeing sort of gaps in buildings and going, could I jump across that? And I'd be getting very frustrated that some of the roads were too wide, so it made it very difficult to get from roof to roof, and, you know, it made it very difficult to go outside at all, as it turns out. Assassin's Creed, great for that kind of, like, you go to a cathedral and you're like, oh, yeah. I want to climb. I could get up that. There was loads of handholds on cathedrals. Don't know if you've ever noticed. Yeah, no, cathedrals have, yeah. are basically built for, for parkour yeah. enthusiasts. <laughs> I remember a friend of mine came to visit, uh, an American friend of mine, and um, for whatever reason, for an entire morning, we played, um, I don't know if it's Lumines or Lumines. On, Lumines, I believe. Lumines, on, uh, and it just came out on PS3. Yeah. So the actual home console version. So we took turns sitting on the beanbag, really close to the TV, and playing uh, Lumines for like an hour and a half. And I still love Lumines. I think it's great. Um, but you know, you obviously go into trances when you're playing a puzzle game to do with rotating cubes for an hour and a half. And he went to pee and then he came back looking like visibly shaken and went, go into your bathroom and look at the sink. And I went in and it turned out that we had like tiles that were exactly the right shape and color for Lumines. And you look at those tiles and my brain immediately went, solve it, solve it, solve it, solve it. And it was like, oh it was, it was, God. it was so close to hallucination. Certainly closer than I've ever heard playing video games oh. before. It was good. It was funny. Sort of. I know people have had that with The Witness because that one's all just line puzzles. And you see lines and you're like, I have to draw them. I have to trace my finger across this person's tattoo on the bus. Yeah. I've just had like more that momentary lapse of of forgetting things. I used to get it with adventure games a lot. Like I remember playing Beneath the Steel Sky and I was like, I needed an object. And I almost just bought something in a shop. (laughs) Because I was like, oh, I need this. And then I was like... What? No, I, I, I was really close to buying it. Before I was like, "Why do you need this?" And I was like, "Oh no, you don't. You need to find that in that game." Uh, it was mostly jet lag, I think. But sometimes you do have that sort of sense of being like, "I have just, I've been in this too much." The weird thing I get now, actually, more because I, I, I struggle these days to actually just sit and play games for long periods of time. I don't know why. Like, I just, I might not have the attention for it anymore. And that's actually, you know, when I used to review stuff a lot more, I used to really hate those environments of being like, you're in a hotel, you have to sit and play a game for like six seven hours eight hours it's like i can't like after two hours i want to do something else yeah. like i love playing video games but only for about two hours at a time um and sometimes i lose more but it's rare that something really grabs me yeah i think this is on a, I, to explain my facetious comment before i think one of the reasons that's like common practice is that if someone plays something for eight hours they're not going to enjoy it but then you are more inclined to you're more inclined to not give it a bad score for that. You're more inclined to give it a good score and go, eh, I probably only don't like it because I was playing it for mm. eight hours. I think there's tons of factors. I mean, unfortunately, the, the bottom line with that stuff is it's like, you know, they do result in better scores. Like, it was like, you know, there's a big Uncharted review event recently, which was literally in a castle in Rome. Um, and, wow. like, it's just this bizarre, ostentatious stuff that now is, like, you was phased out in games media um, uh, due to a combination of people running out of money on the publishing side and also due to uh, people very gradually as uh, media going, I don't know if we're cool with this anymore. But luckily, that whole problem doesn't exist anymore because money situation's a bit better on the publisher side for most people. And YouTubers arrived, and YouTube. Mm. do not know or give a shit about that stuff at all mm-hmm. so they're just like Rome a castle yeah I'll be there but the thing is people say it doesn't affect them but it does unfortunately and you know you do if you there's a reason that publishers spend this money it's because they do get better review scores for it so I don't know why it is but I think that's partially maybe it I, I certainly felt like a bit um, shell shocked sometimes especially you know I remember I used to do like Call of Duty reviews and stuff and after you spent like three days in a hotel room playing 
10 hours every day you you walk away from that feeling a bit like a not sure like what you thought about that game but like not sure who the fuck you are anymore. that's exactly <laughs> what i thought you were gonna it's say it's just like you you know you've been sat in front of a 50 inch tv with 5.1 sound and explosions and it's just like <laughs> what the fuck like it's it is kind of shell shock e uh, and means you if you have an idea of whether or not something's good or not it actually takes more conviction yeah um but i you know they don't want you to but then you know at the same time you you, you then go and see other journalists downstairs and go, oh, it's a bit of shit. <laughs> I remember that one in particular, actually. I can't remember which Call of Duty it was, but it was in a very fancy hotel, and I didn't really not want to be there at that point. It was like, I don't want to do these events anymore. I hate them. Uh, but it was wonderful going down, and when the PR was there, everyone was like, yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And as soon as the PR was gone, everyone went, single-player campaign's fucking awful. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> so I don't know if that backfired or not, but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think just just bleeding in now these days. The, the thing that bleeds into my brain is uh, video editing, which is almost like a puzzle in itself. <laughs> yeah, that is is that the question? That was, I mean, yeah, sure. no, it's sort of. It's like because it's the same it's with like you. It's the video game. It is like colors and it's a puzzle yeah. with yeah, like yeah. bits and <laughs> shifting things around in the right positions. Yes, and sometimes I find if I've been editing for like ten hours, when I close my eyes, it's just like a puzzle game. It's mm-hmm. just like Luminous. It's just things falling into place and things moving around, and and uh, I can't get my head out of that puzzle. <laughs> but hey. No, it's uh, it's a thing. Editing is like a Lego. I'll always say it. And let's end with a really quick one that's not as weird. Because <laughs> I've gone weird. Okay. I'm a weird guy. Let's, let's pull our <sighs> wit socks up. Wit socks up. Quinn's. Uh, what? Oh, God damn. You can answer this as well, though. You literally. Okay, fine. You can answer this as well. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, Amir asks, what podcast does Quinns and Kate <laughs> listen to? Uh, he says he's in his teens, he loves listening to podcasts. He's a, he's, this is clearly a 40-year-old man pretending. <laughs> As a uh, child. Messing with our analytics. As a teen, I love teen things. Um, yeah, he likes listening to podcasts. And um, he knows that you listen to podcasts, and most people know that I don't really listen to them. So, oh. podcasts. Uh, Go on. Kate, why don't you... Uh, okay. Well, Kate, you, I mean, it's a good time to plug the fact that you, you do I have podcast. one, and I, I do actually listen to it sometimes. That's fine. It's very funny. Um, it is. Yeah. I listen to it a couple of times. Uh, I, I mostly just like Flattery. listening back to the jokes that I don't remember making normally because we're like a bit tipsy or hyper or whatever. What's it called? Uh, it's called Taku Podcast. Um, T-O-K-U Yes, which as we found out after we named it that is a type of Japanese animation but it's not about that we don't know about that so don't expect that <laughs> it's, um, it's not really about anything in particular uh, we're both women so we talk about things like we've got a period special because no one else talks about periods on no. podcasts <laughs> so why not? Uh, we've got one about uh, Sex Dungeon Reviews which was quite entertaining. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, sometimes we read fan fiction. Uh, it's kind of why we And the weird like thing doing. is people probably know more about fan fiction and sex dungeons than periods. And periods affects 50% yeah. of people on the planet. I know loads about that stuff now because yeah. of the past few years I've had to learn some of that stuff. And honestly, <laughs> it's fucking incredible how much people don't know. So I recommend yeah. going and listening to that episode of it. Uh, at the very least, if you're a bloke, because I it's mean, like, hey, welcome to learning about shitloads of things that you never knew anything about. People come up to me in, in public and talk to me about it, and I'm like, oh, well, this is weird. <laughs> um, That's what happens when you make a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and my mum actually listened to that episode and found out things she didn't know. Yeah. Um, wow. So I, I talked about one of my symptoms is that my skin hurts. It feels like I've got like sunburn or like a bruise all the way across my arms. And then my mum sort of called me up and was like, me too. And I was Whoa. like, oh, so it's your fault then. <laughs> 
But it's crazy. Like, yeah. It's genuinely crazy how uh, many like, very real symptoms and weird stuff surrounds that stuff. Yeah, it's very weird. Everyone gets different symptoms and, like, um, you know, I have several chat groups with other women where we talk about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, where we're just like, I've got this thing. Do you have a drug for it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like a weird little world that, like, you don't think about talking about. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that people don't know about it. So, yeah, but you yeah. talk about that in a funny way. Yay! <laughs> so that's a fun, a fun but probably eye-opening thing to listen to. Yeah. Uh, I cannot. I'm. I'll tell you what. Whatever <laughs> podcast I recommend now, I'm going to sound very boring. Oh. It's like this isn't about periods, but okay. I mean, if people not all podcasts need to be about that. Mm. I've always said this, and no one <laughs> listens. Um, for a comedy podcast, uh, Gav Murphy put me onto this, but the Ellis James and John Robbins show. Oh, of show course, Gav told you about on that. On Radio X. Joe loves it because Gav loves it, and now Joe loves it it's more than really me. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, it is no, very good. Lee also uh, has similar feelings that you just described to it. Um, the podcast that I recommend everyone, in case they, for some reason, haven't heard of it yet, is called Hardcore History, mm-hmm. if you like history. Even if you don't, try that, because it's fucking amazing. And uh, you could also try We Have Concerns, which is a podcast where two guys talk about new uh, tech stories and why we should be frightened about them. That's Anthony Carboni and Jeff Canata, who are friends of... Fans of ours? I don't know. They're very good. and they, They're basically like the American... Friends is probably a safer word to use, I think. <laughs> we Have Concerns is basically Matt and I if we were American and talented. And smart. Yeah. So interestingly, those three that you've mentioned have been predicted in the comments ah. of that question. Right, right. Let me get my phone out. Right, okay. You're let's... very predictable. Oh, that's <laughs> dig deep. That's because they've seen you talking about them on Twitter. All right. So this isn't them Get some psyched. new hobbies. All right, dickweeds. Here we go. Um, you're going to listen to live. Town, which is one word, which is a radio play that has been uh, put together by um, uh, Radio Lab, I think. That is amazing. You are also going to... Li- but are you like me? Do you want to know more about war? Listen to the War College podcast, which is <laughs> the single best podcast that I know about war. Thanks. Oh, man. Wow. It's gravitating into fully middle-aged men now. Let's do it! I'm ready! You're getting into looking for birds and, oh. and reading about war. They, they, you tested me, Matthew. I've got some slightly cooler ones if we want to... Go on, please. Bring it back down to millennials. Please. <laughs> please be young for us. Oh, OK. So, Bays, what up? Um, so, I, I listened to one called the uh, Plumbing the Death Star, which I, I enjoy. Um, it's some Australian men... Two of them have the same name. It's very confusing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And they talk about sort of strange pop culture questions like, um, what would you do about the Superhuman Registration Act? Um, Other questions that I can't think about. How did the um, the Scooby-Doo gang make any money? Things like that. Um, There's some really interesting questions in there. Some are just like, what do you think of Civil War? I tend to skip those ones because whatever. Uh, So that's good. And also, last podcast on the left, which is, I used to hate it, but now I don't. Last podcast on the left? It is about occult things and mostly murder. So they sort of go through... um, the lives and serial killings of serial killers. So they'll talk about like Ted Kaczynski and uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Of the week. And, yeah, some of them are like multi-episode stories. Uh, like recently, they did one on um, uh, I can't pronounce it. Om Shinrikyo, uh, the people who did the sort of gas. Oh, the Tokyo Sound gas Yes, um, it's four episodes long because they're just like mad people. This mad cult that everyone in Japan was just like. Oh, they're fine. Oh, no, they've done a horrible thing. 
What? Um, <laughs> nothing can we go back than the sarin gas attacks. Yeah, like, very I terrifying. still remember being at university and our, our, one of our seminar tutors uh, gave us all a piece of paper um, and said, look, I'm not going to tell you what next week's seminar is about. I'm just going to give you each a name and you've got to go and research it and come back and we'll talk about it next week. And um, I, I, look, I turned mine and said, oh, this is my favourite. And the theme was serial killers. Yeah. And uh, mine was John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Oh, you and, got the favourite. And I wouldn't say it was my favourite because like, there's a really good Sufjan Stevens song. That's about <laughs> it's an entire album, isn't it? No, not, I don't wow. think it has a whole album. I think the whole, I th- the whole album was about Illinois. I think. So did you come back and talk about music and everyone was like, I, I Everybody looked at me like, well, actually, no, not everyone else because everyone else was looking going, who's this? But my seminar teacher, when I said, oh, it's my favourite, she looked at me as if to go, oh, shit. You know, she was a psychology <laughs> seminar leader. She should have probably reported yeah. me at that point. Maybe she did. <laughs> Red flags. <laughs> Red flags. You and yeah. me for our hentai and serial killing murdering. Who's going to go to jail first? Place your bets now. Thank um, you. Very- it's me. It's ah! you. It's you all along. <laughs> What would you go go to jail for before we close? Oh, something boring like illegally downloading things. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) Yes, you can. God. There we go. You're going down fast. (laughs) Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you, and we'll see you next week for more of this podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.